Why don't you stand and welcome Kevin, eh? You know, isn't, um, isn't God good? You know, he is just so amazing, eh? He's amazing like all the time. <clears throat> I hope we never, ever get used to saying that God is good, you know? That we should do it all the time, every time we meet, wherever you meet, whether you're at the, you know, mall or whether you're with your mate or whether you're in the forest or wherever, that we continue to put our hand up and go, you know, God is always good. Right, now I'll just sort this thing out. Certain objectives occur again and again when friends, family and colleagues talk about aid worker Andrew Bagshaw, who was killed in eastern Ukraine in January of this year. They include modest, reserved, compassionate, reliable, committed and heroic there is one other that is determined. When he thinks about his son, Dr. Phil Bagshaw remembers he was always a humanitarian who was concerned about the welfare of people and animals. His mission to Ukraine was not, all, was not at all out of character. We tried to convince him otherwise, but his mind was made up when his efforts to change it were futile, he says. When we asked him when he would come back, he said, not until it was finished. Andrew, who was 47, and British aid worker Chris Parry, 28, disappeared on early January, and their deaths were confirmed nearly three weeks later. Uh, he was a firstborn, of son, a firstborn son of Phil and Dame Sue Bagshaw, doctors with a social conscience, who left London for Christchurch in 1981, and are highly respected for their founding, of the Canterbury Charity Hospital, along with youth mental and sexual health advocacy. I am going to try and get through this. <clears throat> Andrew had two sisters and one brother and was educated at Paparoa Street School, Cobbin Intermediate and Burnside High School before he went on to University of Canterbury where he completed a PhD in 2008. His PhD supervisor, Professor Gemmell, said that Andrew was a genuine genius, easily one of the most extraordinary students I have ever trained. He described him as having extremely strong and analytical skills and the ability to synthesise and link disparate areas of science in a way that few other students could. It was a challenge keeping up with his reading and thinking on a topic which was frequently two or three more steps ahead of most others. He recalled a line he wrote in reference that seemed particularly poignant after Andrew's death, which is that his former student will frequently do what he perceives to be the right thing to do. He was a noble soul who I respect greatly, he said. After his PhD, Andrew did a postdoctoral work at University of Otago in Christchurch, where he worked in a laboratory with Professor Martin Kennedy, now the head of Department in Pathology and Biomedical Science, who remembered Andrew as an extraordinary talent, well-liked, respected, and hard-working. He was a passionate scientist 
and extremely dedicated running the beat, running to the beat of his own drum and in his work habits, often staying until late at night to complete tasks he had set for himself. He was quiet and thoughtful, yet friendly at the same time, incredibly intelligent and clever. Andrew then went on and worked in a major project supported by Royal Society for New Zealand, Marsden Grant, investigating the role of genetics in human intelligence. Andrew did not see... Uh, sorry, Kennedy did not see Andrew's aid work as out of character. He said Andrew's innate generosity of spirit, selflessly dedicating his time and taking such personal risks to help others in dire need is of no surprise to those of us who knew him. As well as a geneticist, Andrew was an excellent sailor and a private pilot. His father said he never married or had children. The trip to Ukraine was Andrew's first such mission. He told a reporter in 2022 that as he watched the Russian invasion unfold on television, he saw Ukrainians going through hell and bought a ticket to Poland. He talked about being a volunteer driver in situations, helping move around 700 people to safety in two and a half weeks after the Ukrainian president Vladimir Zelensky ordered the rapid evacuation of Donetsk province in 2022. Journalist Lauren Chaw spoke of the bravery displayed by Andrew on multiple occasions <clears throat> in the city of Bakhmut, which had been attacked by Russian paramilitary. There were hair-raising rescues of elderly people trapped in ruined buildings under Russian fire. In one instance, she saw Bagshaw knock on one door after another as a shelling grew closer, looking for an elderly woman in a wheelchair until all options were exhausted. On another, she accompanied Andrew on a mission to evacuate a young woman whose abusive father would not let her go. He returned the next day with the fire department and eventually managed to mobilise the police who ordered the pair to leave. He was doing the work no one wanted to do. She recalled that he was doing the work on minimal resources, he drove and sometimes slept in an old red van. He made ends meet by doing freelance science editing and writing when he could. He was based as a time for a time in the city of, about that long a word. It is understood to have been on a mission with Parry in Solidar, around 60 kilometres away from the city on January the 6th. They were trying to rescue an elderly woman in their car was when their car was hit by Russian military. They were both reported missing a day later. Given the heavy pr Russian presence in Solidar, hopes for their survival faded. An Australian colleague paid tribute to him when he described a reliable teammate and colleague in the field who did important work and directly contributed to many lives. Our own former Defence Minister, Ron Mark, said he's a bloody legend and he won't be forgotten. In a snowy street outside Sophia Cathedral, journalist John Sweeney posted a video war diary which he described Andrew as a New Zealand British guy who did something amazing. He went to the most frightened places in Ukraine when he, and rescued people. You could say, what's the point of dying in somebody else's war? I would say something different to that. I would say that to die helping some other people is the noblest of all death. Phil Bagshaw, Andrew's father, hopes some lasting good can come from his son's death. 
He'd lived with the Ukrainian people with whom he developed a great affinity and was deeply concerned about the atrocities of this illegal and immoral war. He never sought publicity, but his death must be turned into something positive for an end to this insane conflict. He and Sue, his wife, said that Andrew selflessly took so many personal risks and saved many lives. Uh, we love him and are very proud of him indeed for what he has done. <clears throat> Some lives are not really fully known until they have passed away. But this is not the case with Jesus. Let's commit this time to Jesus. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to bring this message and I ask that you bless it in your mighty name. Amen. <clears throat> Do you know, I've read that story about women 10 times in the last week and every time I kind of get choked up again and again and again, you know, and I'm such a sook, you know. But what better place to hold it but out here, you know. Uh, last week I started a series called Red and we looked at the red letter words in the Gospels and there are so many good verses there for us to live by, to love in and to hold on to. And today I want to continue that with red point two. You know, today is about his life and Jesus was born on, take it, believe it or not, on Christmas Day. And uh, there was ham and roast potatoes and kumara and apple sauce and lamb and gravy and uh, washed down with cheesecake, my favourite, and trifle and jelly and wine and lots of wine and maybe a beer or two. But no, not really. There was nowhere to stay that was decent. A pub owner let them use his animal shelter. The lighting was slack, but there was a star to give some. There was animal feed, hay and poo. The first witnesses were some shepherds and some magicians came for a long way, from a long way guided by that star. And some of them... <coughs> they bought some gifts, you know, and, uh, but it wasn't a cuddly toy or a blanket or a stroller or a rattle, but some money, uh, some resin that comes from a Boswellia tree, some smelly stuff and some myrrh, which has a pile of uses. Uh, there was choirs singing in heaven, a voice from heaven, a plan from heaven, and a travel guide from heaven. Uh, he and his parents did, a, did their first road trip pretty early in his life to get away because of some nut job was hell-bent on culling children. They went to see the pyramids and a reclining lion and returning from there on their second road trip, they returned to Nazareth in the north of Israel, where they set up home. Jesus' dad started a carpenter's business fixing chairs and tables and furniture, with where Jesus no doubt lent a hand when things got heavy. <clears throat> I'm getting a little bit older now and mucking around in my shed where I do lots of carpentry and bits and pieces becomes taxing for the big items and so I get my daughter out there to help me who's awesome <clears throat> um, Jesus grew in smarts and in the grace of God was upon him every year they did a road trip 
they travelled 12 years in a row to the capital, Jerusalem, with a bunch of their friends to make the trip cool. They camel pulled. To ease the burden on others and to reduce boredom travelling with mum and dad, they had a festival that they really enjoyed. There were always tons of people there. There you go. There was always tons of people there. There was heaps of celebrations and plenty of food and music. After the festival, everybody packed up and began their trip back to their homes and jobs. Again, they camel pulled to make their return trip unique, and some of the tra children travelled with their mates. Once Mary and Joseph got a day into the return, they figured out that they couldn't find Jesus amongst their friends' kids. So they hot-footed it back to the festival only to find him in the temple take it, talking to some dudes in pretty cool coloured clothes. He was doing lots and lots of talking and asking them questions. Everyone there was amazed at what he knew and what he could understand. His mother was not happy and was anxious. Then Jesus said some things they didn't understand about doing his father's business. They all went home together and he was not so mischievous. His mum kept some things in her heart. <clears throat> Jesus got more smarter, taller and competent and was in the good books with God and with others around him. There was a guy acting weird in, in a desert. His name was John. He had strange clothes. He had a real different diet to most there was water, and he was baptizing a pile of people there. But he had a great message. Some embraced, and others were offended. Jesus embraced this message, but he didn't have to. The Holy Spirit came down from him and rested on him, and there were more voices from heaven. <clears throat> then Jesus started to change the world. You see, our lives do not need to be determined how good they are and not after we die. There are things that we can join with Jesus in that we can participate in and do alongside him right, right now because our world is not changing back to how it used to be. It is and will continue to be continually changing because of what Jesus has done and is doing and continue to doing in this world. You know, real life is built around what we get up to now. You know, we have friends and neighbours, workmates, family members, spouses and confidants. And these people make up part of our lives. You know, yesterday I phoned a lady in Christchurch who lost her mother suddenly, um, just recently. And I talked to her about, about uh, you know, how she was. And it was kind of, you know, for more or better words, a little pastoral phone call, you know, to see how she was. And she was really broken, and, and uh, as she would be, because the, the previous day, her mum was fine, and overnight she just passed away, just snipped like that, and went to be with Jesus. 
And she'd been a believer for 70 years. <clears throat> and, and she had learned a whole bunch of things in her knowing and loving of Jesus in that entire time that she kept writing down. She kept writing down little journals, you know, and little things. And then now her daughter's reading those things and going, Mum, you were gone so soon, you know. And so she was really, you know, naturally upset and full of grief. And the Lord spoke to her then. She said, you know, your mum may have gone, but I haven't. You know? Because he continues to do amazing things in our lives, you know? That lady's life was full of wisdom and knowledge and understanding and, and, that, and her daughter's now gleaning from those things, you know? And, and reading through her journals and going, man, you love Jesus so much, you know? because of the life that Jesus did and had and is having, you know? <clears throat> so Jesus' life was filled with all sorts of different encounters. He had encounters with those that were entrenched in the rules of the law. He had encounters with tyrant tax officers. He had encounters with members of the Italian military but he also had encounters with the blind, the rich, the poor, those unable to walk, those disturbed in their inner self, those with a colourful nightlife with lots of boyfriends or lots of girlfriends, those who were hungry and those who were full. You know, this is this, you know, In two weeks, I'm going to talk about his ministry. Next week's going to be great with um, the visiting speaker. But in two weeks, I'm going to talk about his ministry. But you see, it is King Jesus who that we pledge our lives to. You know, that's the one we're putting our hand up for. That's the one we stand for. That's the one who has completely, you know, done that there. You know, changed our world. And he's changing it and changing it and changing it, and changing it, and changing it, and changing it again, and again, and again. You know, we as believers, as we align ourselves with his life in faith, in baptism, and commitment to his people, which are you and the church of God. And that is it. So, um, that is a real short talk. Um, so, I want, why don't you just stand with me because, you know, I, I'm, I'm always convinced that God is in the business of doing things, you know. He wants to meet with every one of us. He always does. He always will be, you know. He wants to meet with us. Maybe, Micah, you want to sneak up here? And, and um, that he always wants to meet with us. And, you know, and as maybe, you, maybe there's, you know, I've tried to make this morning's talk a little kind of... Um, I don't know, you know, a little kind of easier to, to get a bit of a grip on, you know, and just go, man, that must have been amazing, you know. He did do some amazing road trips. He did do some pretty cool things. And that was the start of his life. After he was baptized, he went into the wilderness for 40 days, you know. And then after that, he began his ministry, which we're going to look at in a couple of weeks' time. So um, 
Let's just pray and then Michael will just lead us in something. That would be fine. Probably. Uh, Father, we want to thank you for today, for the amazing life that you lived, for the amazing life that you're living, for the amazing life that you're living in us and through us and with us. And sometimes we kind of, um, you know, we look at areas of our lives and just kind of go, you know, I'm just not cutting it in this area and in this area and this area. You know, the Lord is always watching over us. You know, He already knows the things that we're struggling with, you know. He already knows those things because He's encountered those things. He's come across those things in the path of His life. And so if I, I pray, Father, for today, that if any is here today, Father, that are, that are struggling in an area where um, they're just going, you know, I'm not, I'm not handling that or I'm not cutting that. But I know, God, that You are handling that. And it all belongs to you. And that's what you came for, Father. So I pray your amazing blessing upon, upon folk here, Father. And, you know, if that's you today, you know, just, um, and you want some prayer, you want somebody to just have a quick chat with you, then do come, you know, do come to the front here. Teresa and her team will be here. And, um, and they'll just guide you as, as Jesus continues to guide us and live through us and with us. Amen.